Hey there, future friends! This week, we finish talking about the only four movies that I have seen that the Neon Company has produced. This is Future Flicks with Billiam. everyone welcome to the show i know i didn't do an episode this week or last week actually and i i thought that it was going to be this week i didn't do it because this week i have a wedding that i am presiding over yes i am marrying two of my friends not sure if i mentioned this on the show before but three of my closest friends are getting married two of them asked me to preside over the wedding So I've been working on my speech. I'm pretty sure I have the one for this week completely done. Just need to get feedback from the bride. So I thought this week was going to be the week I missed the show, but it was last week when my dad had a minor procedure and then life just got in the way. So I am back. And for all of you who listened to the last episode, even though I didn't share it anywhere, thank you so much. If you're new here, Welcome to the show. Let me tell you what it is I normally do when there's not a strike going on. Because if you don't know, there's a strike going on in Hollywood. How don't you know this? I don't know your life. Maybe there's a good reason. Anyway, the writers went on strike and then the actors went on strike because these mega companies can't part with like what? A couple percentage, maybe even one percent of their revenue to pay the workers a little more. All of these people are... All of these CEOs and these companies that refuse to pay their workers are scum. So we are not on this show going to support them by talking about the movies that are coming out. Why is that important to this show? Because normally on this show, I tell you about all the different movies coming out during the week. I put them into two categories, the first of which is the limited releases. That's every limited release movie that did not catch my eye. Does it necessarily mean they're bad? No, not really. It just means that... Everything altogether, the trailer, the premise, the cast, nothing really sold me on it. And sometimes those movies I skip can have a good cast, or one thing could be good, but everything else just doesn't add up. I can be wrong, because guess what? I am not a Hollywood insider. I don't get first looks or anything like that. I don't get to see these movies before people. I am judging this off the trailer and any other information I may have learned from it. And I think that's fair. I do think that's a really fair way of doing things because that is how these companies are trying to sell us on their movies. The next section, my friends, is called the wide releases and interesting indies. Just like it sounds, every single wide release, including major streaming releases, no matter how good or bad it looks, and those independent films, or at least limited release films, not necessarily independent, but all those limited release films that make me go, huh, Okay, I will give this a shot. So in both of these segments, I tell you what the movie is, what it's about, and who's in it. In the first section, I maybe give a thought or two, but that's usually it. In the wide releases and interesting indies, I will definitely give you a thought. And then I will wrap it up with a score, which I call the Billiam's Interest Level Score, aka the Bill Score. 
That goes anywhere from a zero for those awful films like Meet the Feebles. That's a throwback to somewhat nerdy. It is. And 10, or even 11 sometimes. For those movies that turn it up that extra notch and make me go, wow, I am glad I live in a world with movies. I then give you the pick of the week, which I say, hey, my buddy, my pal, chum. If you go see a movie this week, this one has the best bet on being good. And then I send you along your way and go shoo, shoo to the other podcasts you may enjoy. And thank you oh so much for checking mine out. But my friends, right now, while the strike is going on, we are not doing that. We are not supporting those companies. We are supporting the workers. We're supporting the writers and the actors. Because not every actor is some multi-million dollar earning huge face. So during that time, thanks to a couple people on TikTok that I've mentioned on the show, I have learned that there are a couple of companies that are independent. The ones we know for sure are A24, Neon, and Lionsgate. Yeah, Lionsgate, actually. I looked into it, and I can't find anyone above Lionsgate that owns them. And I don't think they're being struck, so if they are, I apologize for getting that wrong. But right now, we support independent cinema. In the last episode, I said that I looked at every single movie Neon has released since their creation, and I honestly can't remember when they were made, or when they were founded, actually. But I've only seen four of their movies. So let's talk about the last two, last time, two weeks ago, we talked about Palm Springs, a fantastic time loop movie with Andy Samberg and Kristen Milioti, and Little Monsters, a fucking horrendous movie with, with Lupita Nyong'o, and even she couldn't save that film. So this week, we're going to start with one from 2019 that you may remember because it made a big splash, and that movie is called Parasite. Greed and class discrimination threaten the newly formed symbiotic relationship between the wealthy Park family and the destitute Kim clan. This stars Son Kang Ho. And other people, but he's the only one that I think most people would recognize. Yes, you remember Parasite, even if you have not seen it, which you should. Well, maybe. Let, let, stay tuned for that part. But you have heard of it because it made a big splash. And whenever a foreign movie makes a big splash in America, it, it's usually on the tip of everyone's tongues. Because there are those of us, like me, hopefully like you, that just watch a lot of movies, consume a lot of media, and love that shit. So watching something foreign isn't isn't a weird thing. It isn't a thing that's out of the ordinary for you. But then there's some people that mainly do watch American stuff. Not, not necessarily anything wrong with that, but it's just good to get a good global lens in the media you consume. But it, movies like this make other people stop and look at foreign cinema, which I think is a great thing. But Parasite is a movie that I simultaneously really liked and also did not like for a couple reasons. The thing I talk about a lot with artsy movies, you know, sarcastic air quotes, artsy movies, is that a lot of times it's hard to just watch them for fun. You know, you can't just sit down and go, you know what, I want something light. Let's put on Parasite. I'm in the mood for a lighthearted movie. Let's put on The Pianist. No, no one is saying these things. However, if you want to watch a movie that makes you think, if you want to watch a movie that you can break down, 
and talk about the imagery and the cinematography and the, the amazing performances, this is one of those movies. Because on the surface, this is a basic story. We have the Kim, the Kim family, who is really down on their luck. And we have the Park family, who is f***ing super rich. And we have a lot that we can break down. I'm not going to break down all of it. Don't worry. I'm not going to go into a full-on thing about this. But we can break down certain things. That the Park family quite literally lives on a hill. They live at the top of this hill in a super rich mansion-type house. And the Kim clan live under the street. From one of their windows, you could see street level. And they have issues where people are pissing on the wall outside of their house. And it's like coming into the house. And if the, if the area floods, it's going to flood their house. Oh yeah, spoiler warnings for all of these movies moving forward. I haven't spoiled anything yet. Not, not really. But come on, spoiler warnings for these movies that came out uh, four years ago. Or this movie that came out four years ago. So there's a lot of imagery that you can talk about. Like, so the, the placement of the family's homes. We have the what the homes look like that the Kim family does not have an actual, you know, unit house that you can, you know, have a yard around or something. It's, it's not even really an apartment, is it? Was it an apartment? I thought they just kind of lived in this hole that's in this business complex. And then we have the Park family, which has a more typical looking house, albeit a really big one. We have the houses looking different, too. On the inside, we have the Kim house looking very messy. Shit is all over the place. Not literal shit, mind you, but just a lot of junk all over the place. And we have the Park family's home, which is very neat. Everything is so neat, even the rooms, the, the bedroom. And so even though we know that the Park family has more money and thus has more stuff, maybe? Their house is so much cleaner, but also they have people to clean the house. Also, they have more room to put things in. And also, they could afford to buy something again if they do get rid of something and go, you know what, I do actually want that. But then we have the Kims start coming to work for the parks and then they get to know each other and we start to see this plan brew from the Kims. That's right. I forgot. So I just re familiarized myself with the plot and I forgot that to get jobs with the park family, they lied and schemed and hurt people. I forgot that the daughter of the, of the Kim family faked a certificate from a university to get hired, and then they framed the chauffeur that he was having sexual relations in the car, got him fired so the dad could get hired on, and then basically poisoned the housekeeper so that their mom can get hired on. And I think that's part of what I didn't like about the movie, is that right away the Kims were pretty shitty people. Yes, Look, you can say that they're desperate, they needed the jobs, but from the get-go, this movie and their actions came across to me as a heist. Even before the plan was fully fleshed out, even when it was just the daughter lying to get a job, I was never on their side. And even though, yes, we should eat the rich, 
I actually found myself more sympathetic to the Parks. They're not the best people, but they're also not truly awful. Because we do hear them talking shit about the family when the mom and dad of the Kim family are hiding under the table while the Parks are getting it on. Which was a really weird scene. And then we have that family, or that person, not the family, just that person living in the house in some sort of hidden bunker. It was just weird. There's so much of this movie that was just so weird. And I didn't see the point to it. But what I did really love about this movie is the fact that it was so well done. Everything was so well shot. I could see why each choice was made. So as a piece of art, this is a fantastic movie. A million essays and papers can be written about this movie and it could just constantly provide new material to talk about. But as a film for the sake of entertainment, it did leave me wanting. I did like certain parts. I did think it was it was good a little bit, but then it just got a little too weird. But what really confused me was in the ending when the the dad, the father of the of the family of the Kims, is now living in the basement of the Parks family. So at the end, the daughter of the Kim family has died. The brother has or is recovering from brain surgery. And then at night, we see the front light of the Parks house turn on, showing that the dad is still living in the basement. And their new goal is to somehow get enough money to buy the house to release him. So my question is, yes, he's people are looking for him because he's a wanted man. The rest of the family got in trouble for fraud uh, of the Kims. But why do they need to buy the house? Why don't they just wait for the family to go on vacation again or leave again? Then he can get out and then they run away. Like there's so many other options that I saw for the ending that I was just left thinking, OK, but why this? Why go through the most obtuse, not, not obtuse, but the hardest way of doing things like earning an, an ungodly amount of money to be able to buy a house. Look, I know the, the Kim family's greed and and skullduggery got them into this position and now hard work is going to have to get them out of it because they're going to have to earn the money, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, OK, I get it. But not everything has to be a lesson, especially when it makes me scratch my head at the ending. But like I said, if you want to watch this because you just want to watch a fun film, f***ing skip it. Walk away. If you want to enjoy a movie as a piece of art, this is 100% your film. Because unlike other films I would put the tag of artsy on, this one is actually watchable. Unlike The Lighthouse, which was an unwatchable train wreck. So as an enjoyable movie, I would give Parasite a 5 out of 11 as a piece of art, I would give it a 10 out of 11. So let's meet in the middle and say Parasite gives a 7.5 out of 11. Are you looking for a nerd podcast that touches on every walk of nerd culture? Well, look no further. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is the podcast for you. We cover nerd culture, news, new movie reviews, bad movie reviews, video games, comics, with sprinkles of nerdy nostalgia throughout. Somewhat Nerdy Radio is a flagship podcast of the Somewhat Nerdy Podcast Network. Find us on every podcast app or stream it on somewhatnerdy.com. Good journey, nerds. Hi, I'm 
Lisa. And I'm Robbie. And we host a show called We're, We're Doing, Doing Fine. Fine. We're friends from across the ocean. I'm from Scotland. And I'm from California. Join us every week as we chat about biscuits. You mean cookies. Brexit. Whatever's going on here. Who knows? Almost dying. Why we're single. Popular culture. And basically everything and anything that can distract us from this postmodern hellscape we're all living in. Because we're, we're doing, doing fine. fine. Alright, my future friends, one more movie to talk about, then we're done with Neon. So let's talk about one of my more recent favorite movies, Pig. This movie's from 2021. A truffle hunter who lives alone in the Oregon wilderness must return to his past in Portland in search of his beloved foraging pig after she is kidnapped. This stars Nicolas Cage, Alex Wolfe, and Adam Arkin. So we all remember Nicolas Cage's thing, right? That he spent way too much money, and so for a while he just took any job that came to him going, hey, we'll we'll give you money to do this movie that sucks. And he's like, hell yeah, give me that money. And I think he's supposed to be out of that debt now, and he's supposed to be okay, and now he could start doing what he wants. But for a while, he did whatever the hell came his way. Luckily for us, one of those movies was Pig. Somehow, this truly amazing movie came his way. And I admit, if you haven't seen this movie, it is a f***ing weird premise. A truffle pig gets kidnapped, and the scary old mountain man who hunts for truffles is on a mission to go get him. Weird, but this movie proves why Nicolas Cage is a phenomenal actor. He is so good. He just he just gets so much shit for going full cage, like he says. And I forgot what movie it was, if it was Into the Spider-Verse or Prisoners of the Ghost Land or whatever that one was called. But in one of his movies, he is doing it, doing his thing. And the director says, hey, can you do it more this way? And Nicolas Cage goes, oh, I get it. You want me to go full cage. That, my friends, shows how f***ing amazingly self-aware he is of his own character. And what's so fun with him is now watching his movies, now that I have that in my mind, I can go back and watch his movies and see how all of his performances are the same, but also the, the nuances in each one. And how it's not really everything the same. It's just that he has a similar delivery to certain things and he sounds the same and his energy is always so big. I just watched Renfield with Nicolas Cage and Nicholas Holt and, um, oh, who's that semi-problematic person? Aquafina. But Nicolas Cage was so good as Dracula. So check that out if you haven't already. But if you haven't watched Pig, it's so good. This I think, can be viewed as Nicolas Cage's magnum opus. So in this film, we have Nicolas Cage playing this guy named Robin Feld, who used to be a world-renowned chef. And now he lives in the, in the forest as a truffle forager. And alone, just him and his pig. He has this guy named Amir who comes up to him, buys the truffles from him, but also gives him like supplies and stuff. That's part of the purchase price is, hey, give me stuff to survive with and I will give you these truffles that you can go You can then go and sell to restaurants in Portland. Because of course this takes place in Portland. One day or one night or whenever it takes place during the, during the waking hours, he is attacked and when Nicolas Cage wakes up, his pig is gone. He doesn't know what to do. He doesn't, he has no car. 
Or no, he does, but it doesn't work, I think, because he hasn't turned it on so long. And so he asks Amir to help him go and find the culprits and thus starts their excellent adventure. And it takes them crazy places into the world of underground fighting, into different restaurants, some some hidden restaurants and some uh, like little underground markets and stuff. And they go all around the Portland undercity. Not that Portland, Portland actually has an undercity, just, you know, not the stuff that's out there for everyone to see. As they go on this adventure, we learn more about Rob and about how he was this fantastic chef. And Amir tells him that his parents had a terribly unhappy marriage, but one of their happiest times together was dining at his restaurant. And then his mother eventually died, but they have that memory. Eventually, they go to, they get a table at this super upscale restaurant. And it turns out that Rob knows this celebrity chef or this this fancy head chef because he used to be his prep cook. And this is when we start to see Rob and his memory and how good his memory is, even though he's been in the woods for so long that he talks to this chef and goes, hey, why did you open a place like this? What the f*** are you doing? You wanted to open a pub. Why did you give up on your dream? And it's during this that we find out from that chef that Amir's father was behind the theft of the pig. When he goes to confront the dad, Amir's dad, Darius, Darius says, hey, let me give you half a half a million or a quarter of a million dollars or whatever for the pig. And Rob says, no. He says, okay, let me rephrase that. Take this money for the pig and leave me alone or I'll kill you. And he says, no. And then we learn that Darius's wife, Amir's mother, is actually still alive. She's in comatose or she's comatose. How do you say that? She's comatose, right? She's not in comatose. She's in a coma. That, my friends, is a lesson in grammar with Billiam. So what does Rob do? He gets everything he needs and cooks the very same meal that Darius and his wife ate that night, which was one of their last happy memories together. And Darius is so shaken by this, he admits that the crackheads that he hired to get the pig accidentally killed the pig. So Rob is devastated. But him and Amir go back to Rob's house and they seem to be cool again because Rob gets angry at Amir when he finds out that his dad's behind it. And so he cleans himself up and this is this part of the movie that just broke me. At the ending where he plays a tape that his wife, his dead wife, I don't think I mentioned that part. Yes, his wife is dead and that's what caused him to spiral out of control and not out of control per se, but just spiral and go live in the woods. So he pulls out this tape that his wife made him for his birthday of her singing Bruce Springsteen's I'm on Fire. And if you could watch that scene and not cry, I want to know what kind of steel you have in your soul. Nicolas Cage's performance from beginning to end in this movie is a masterclass. He is so good and so subtle because he doesn't... There's a couple scenes where he gets angry, but he never really does his full-on Cage screaming that you see in a lot of his work. He is so very reserved and quiet, and he just shows so much with so little that this is why I can say without a doubt that Nicolas Cage is a modern master that does not get enough credit. Because what comes to your mind when you think of Nicolas Cage? Probably Con Air, probably The Rock, maybe leaving Las Vegas. We can even go a little bit newer and say mom and dad 
hell, maybe even Ghost Rider or Drive Angry, Season of the Witch. Nothing that makes you go, holy sh**, this is, this is a fantastic performance. He's never bad. I argue that if Nicolas Cage is ever in a movie that's bad, it is never his fault. So those are the movies that probably come to your mind. But what you should watch and what should come to your mind first is the fantastic performance he gives in Pig. You all know how much I hate Rotten Tomatoes. I, I know it's an aggregate of all these other, of all these movie critics, but my argument is that you don't need movie critics. You can make up your own mind, and movie critics are just garbage people who forget that movies should be fun. But I agree with their score on this one. The Tomato Meter gives it a 97% certified fresh. The audience score is 84%, which is good. It's still a good score. I fully agree. Looking at IMDb, though, it gets a 6.9 average. What kind of f***ing mouth-breathing chuds gave this such a low score that it brought it down to 6.9? You uneducated swine. See what I did there? Swine? Pig? Yeah. Funny, right? I do this all week. I, I don't. I do one show a week. If that. Let me just say it again. My friends, if you have never seen Pig, watch this movie. This is acting. This is a great movie that shows how much you can do with so little. This movie had a budget of $4 million. That was it for the whole thing. Well, well, you and me, if we had $4 million, we could probably live a comfortable life for the rest of our lives and not have to lift a finger again if we didn't want to. But for a movie, that is not a lot. And the fact that such a high-quality movie was done with such little money shows that we don't need these big blockbusters, these multi-million dollar blockbusters. I love them, and I will defend them with my dying breath. I will. I will defend Marvel and DC and all these big budget, huge, widely released movies. I will defend all of them. But we don't need that much money, because we can do movies like Pig. My future friends, Pig, gets an 11 out of 11. And my friends, that's it for this episode uh, next week, I hope to make a list of neon movies that I want to watch. And you know what? Maybe maybe what I'll do is I'll do like three or four independent movies from one of the three companies I've said that I haven't seen yet that I want to watch and then slowly try and watch them. But at least for next week's episode, I think I will talk about some movies from uh, from neon still. Or you know what? No, 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 let's not do that. Instead, let's do one or two each from A24, Neon, and Lionsgate, all of which I didn't see. But one, I'll tell you why I didn't see it and that I don't want to ever see it. And one that I will say, hey, I actually do want to see this. I don't know how I missed it. Does that make sense? I'll talk about it more in the next episode. But my future friends, thank you so much for tuning in. I know it's not easy. I know it's not easy. I lost a lot of listeners during COVID and I get it because I do something truly unique with this show. I do. I understand that. And I understand that when I can't provide that anymore, maybe you don't want to keep listening to me ramble about movies. But if you still keep coming back or if you're new here checking it out, thank you so much. I truly appreciate you. The minute this strike ends, the minute that these billionaires pull their heads out of their asses and start paying people what they're worth, I will be back doing what I love. Until then, I will talk about movies from only these three companies that aren't complete garbage. So as I send you along your way to listen to the other great shows you may enjoy, please remember that no matter where life takes you, 
No matter what your week has in store, just take some time to catch a flick. I'm Billion from Somewhat Nerdy signing off, and I'll see you in the future. Birthday. I love you. This song reminds me of you. Happy birthday.